Geek Out with Matt Navarra is sponsored by Pinterest. Inspire your audience and grow your company on Pinterest with a free business account. Learn more at business.pinterest.com. It's time to geek out. Hello and welcome to Geek Out with Matt Navarra, sponsored by Pinterest. I am Matt Navarra. And I'm Martin SFP Bryant. And today our guest is, well, our sponsor. But don't worry, this isn't some bland content marketing thing. It is actually going to be a really interesting interview. I agree, it's going to be a good one. Yes, this week we'll be joined by Colleen Storfer, who's the Director of Global Business Marketing at Pinterest. And she'll be with us just after the news. You know, I'm starting to think that a high proportion of people who listen to this podcast do so in the gym. As uh, I mentioned it last week, and so came up to me uh, in the office where I work and he said, I was just listening to the podcast and you mentioned someone listening in the gym. Were you mentioning me there? And I forgot that he told me he'd listened in the gym as well. So we had two two gym listeners. Um, there must be more. Um, and hello to Johnny as well, who told me he was listening while cleaning the kitchen floor. So uh, yeah, people are very active while they listen to this, this podcast, it seems. I'm obviously mixing in the wrong circles. I don't have these people telling me these unusual places. Um, th- <laughs> thankfully, I do have people saying that they're listening to the podcast. Um, and I was actually in, in Facebook yesterday um, in London talking to some of the team there and pleasantly surprised and happy that they were listening to it. A large number of people who I was chatting to there said that they'd heard the podcast. So um, that was really good to hear as well. But uh, as always, we um, do mention at the end of the show, for those that um, are listening into the podcast, um, when we, um, they, sometimes they're skipping the goodbyes maybe because they want to get on with their day, which is no, you know, absolutely fine but you can leave a voice message and we remind people at the end of the show that you can do this using anchor so if you visit anchor.fm forward slash geek out matt navara you'll find an option to record a message so tell us what you think of the show give us some feedback suggest things just whatever you like it and make it as fun as you want uh, and as we said in the last episode we'll try and see if we can get some of those out on the podcast as well uh, if you want to get in touch with us on twitter you can use the hashtag geek out questions and you can find me there as matt, at matt navara and I'm at Martin SFP. So Matt, what have you been up to this week? Uh, I've been all over the place. So I've been in London at quite a lot. I was in London uh, last week to meet with two clients, um, dealing with somebody having a lot of Instagram issues, which was fun to sort of help them figure out those issues. Um, and another client of mine who was looking into uh, their, their younger people using social media in their organization and, and advising them on how best to use social to assist them with their roles um, in work. So that was good. And yesterday, I was, uh, as I say, I was at Facebook to, um, chatting to a few people there and discussing the podcast and all sorts of interesting things that uh, they're getting up to um, and I was also a judge um, for the social day awards in London so I was uh, in charge of judging the category best uh, internal um, marketer so internal team rather than an agency or anything else so uh, the results are in and those people will be notified in the coming weeks so uh, that should be good to see them uh, celebrate their successes uh, other than that um, I've been discussing the podcast with you me and you have been talking about it quite heavily haven't we and discussing where we're going to go with it next what we're going to do we're going to stay and do some more episodes or are we going to kind of have a pause? So some more, some more debate and discussion between us to be had, I think. But I'm, mm. I'm pretty sure we'll come back for some more. Absolutely. I think we absolutely will. It's been a great response. Uh, yeah, my my week has basically, basically been preparing for what I'm doing as soon as we stop recording this, which is I'm flying to Austria, uh, Vienna, uh, where I'm going to be giving a talk to a bunch of uh, tech startups about uh, how uh, to uh, uh, approach the media and to get their story out and uh, the best way of doing that, because uh, that's totally changed. The way that the media covers startups has totally changed in the last five years. Uh, startups used to be a big hot property that everyone wanted to cover the 
hottest new startups, but because big tech companies like Facebook do so much, uh, it means that uh, the startups have a much harder uh, time getting into the news. So uh, I'll be talking to them about that. And uh, actually, um, that leads quite well onto uh, our next section, doesn't it? It does indeed. Let's have a look at what's been going on in the world of news, because I believe it's been a very heavy news week for Facebook, which is pretty much most weeks of the year in, in 2019. So there's no surprises there, but uh, it's particularly heavy with Facebook. So what's the first thing on the agenda for news today? Yeah. So a few weeks ago, uh, news broke that Facebook is going to have a, a news tab. Uh, and the, the juiciest bit for news publishers was that publishers were going to get paid. Now, Facebook and news publishers haven't had the greatest relationship over the years. Uh, we've had things like instant articles and all things like that, where uh, you know there's been a, a lot of interest and uh, everyone's been talking about how Facebook is going to uh, make things great for publishers uh, after having taken away quite a lot of their advertising revenue. And it's always worked out. It's always ended in tears, hasn't it? I, I mean, we'll remember, we both remember the time uh, when uh, you could put a, uh, a post on Facebook if you were a publisher and the traffic would immediately rocket through the roof. And then, and then they, they, they tightened that tap, didn't they? Uh, so, uh, so it saw times for that. So, uh, so this, anyway, this news tab is still happening, but only around a quarter of the companies that are partnering with Facebook on it are actually going to get paid. What's that all about, Matt? Yeah, so you're right. Facebook and publishers have not had the best relationship, and and it, you see, this all goes in ebbs and flows. You know, you have moments where they seem to be not interested in in doing anything much with news or news publishers. Then suddenly they're back in favour with Facebook, and Facebook gives them a, a bunch of new features or a, and points them in the direction of what they should do to generate that traffic. Because you know, you're right, we I can remember times at the next web where we would put something up on uh, on our Facebook page. We had at the time over a million uh, page likes, and then you could just see these huge spikes from the organic reach. Um, and then we were told to pivot to video and uh, that was the way to go. And lots of publishers did that and several went out of business and because of the costs and expense of it and it not working out and being a, a, a highly monetizable way of running a publishing business. Uh, and now this is, uh, they went away with a sort of flavor of interest with publishers for a while and now they're back again. So now they're creating this news tab. And I think some of the numbers I was seeing banded around in some of the articles about it were up to sort of three or $4 million um, for a, a multiple multi-year deal with some of the bigger names that you'd expect to be in there um, and a lot less or nothing for a large number of others. Uh, I think that's going to launch um, potentially as early as the end of October 2019, so like not far from, from where we are now. And there's about uh, 200 publications that are on this list of what they deem as trustworthy, uh, reputable sources of, uh, of news, which comes partly from their surveys and, re and research they've done uh, over the past year, apparently, according to the article in the Wall Street Journal this week. So um, I can see this again coming um, unstuck and there being an arguments and debates around it and uh, publishers feeling hard done by. Um, and also, there's this, this a bit that hasn't been talked about here about local news, which is a separate piece of work that the news partnerships team at Facebook is working on for their Today In feature, which is at the moment dominated in the US because they haven't rolled it out further than that. Um, so there's a, a separate piece of this jigsaw for the news publishers. So interesting developments, evolving situation, and still a little bit of uh, testing the waters from Facebook and news publishing. So we'll, we'll see where that one goes. Next up in our uh, our Facebook news roundup, just because there's so much Facebook news this week, is that um, there was an interesting article at the weekend which uh, set a few people's uh, angry buttons going. Um, I, I was certainly angry when I saw it at first, um, which was saying that uh, basically uh, the UK and US law enforcement would be able to... Uh, get WhatsApp messages uh, from Facebook, uh, messenger messages from Facebook, if there are 
suspects who they suspect have been, uh, you know, planning a terrorist attack on WhatsApp or whatever, um, and they'd be able to actually get those messages uh, from Facebook under this under this agreement. Now. It's not what it seems. It sounded like from there, like there'd been some kind of behind the scenes deal to put a back door in WhatsApp. And it's in a, well, it, the, the article from the, the Times didn't actually explain what that was. It didn't say um, uh, how this would work or why it was being done or anything. So everyone immediately le- le- leapt to that conclusion uh, that, uh, that there would be some kind of break in the encryption in WhatsApp, which would be definitely a worse thing than a good thing uh, overall, uh, as much as it is good to uh, keep tabs on criminals. Uh, but it turned out that that wasn't the case at all. Um, and basically, the reporting around that from uh, both the Times and Bloomberg, which followed up on the story, uh, had uh, the stories had been written by political uh, journalists rather than tech journalists. So they had completely missed the story. The story is just that. It's basically a paperwork story. Um, you know, if if the law enforcement want a, a, a message, uh, they want to find out what somebody's been doing, they might be able to get some metadata from Facebook um, about uh, the, the Times messages have been sent or whatever but uh, not a lot more than that. And it certainly wasn't about message contents or breaking encryption and stuff. So it was a lot less of a story than it seemed, Um, uh, which for me, the main story here is that you should always have tech journalists contributing to tech stories or there will be this kind of confusion one of the guys who wrote the bloomberg story his main role is writing about base metals so <laughs> i'm not sure quite how he ended up writing about facebook but there we go yeah no you're right i immediately thought that they, they'd created this um kind of um, break and opening in the encryption for messaging and this was a, the beginning of a, a very uh, interesting period for um, encryption experts and and people who know that this this way of approaching the problems of understanding what uh, terrorists or other kind of bad actors, as Facebook likes to call them, are doing in these encrypted messaging things on WhatsApp. Um, but uh, quite quickly, I saw your um, tweet or post about it and, and realised that this wasn't the case. Um, but it did open up a, a reopen for me in my mind the, the, this, this discussion of what what's going to happen here because we've got this uh, growing desire and need for from for many people around the world to have more encryption in messaging. I think Twitter is still testing its own um, encryption for its direct messaging product. But um, uh, what what What's the solution for um, when you um, law enforcement agencies uh, need to possibly get that information in more detail behind some encryption or if there uh, is an incident in the world where there's it's likely or it's possible there's reason to suspect that there's information between people who may have been involved in such um, uh, terrorist attacks or other activities that need to be looked into um, behind these encryption walls for messaging apps is that kind of you know uh, right to privacy and encryption is a great thing but at the same time how do you moderate and manage some um, situations where these discussions are going on where there's maybe a, a public need to have some of this information it's 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 a bit like the debate we were having last week to do with um who's who's the person who makes the rules around taking content down should it be the role of government should it be the role of facebook and uh, and it's it's one that will roll and roll so um it, it reopened an interesting debate but it's not one that's going to be quickly solved i still think there's a lot of uh, things to be figured out there yeah and if you listening thinking yeah well obviously police should be able to access uh, encrypted messages because uh, you know it's about security well police can't listen to what the terrorists are talking about in their basement can they unless they unless they go in physically and bug the house so you know there are always going to be places where people can't listen uh, to things and um, i think it's right that uh, security services aren't, don't have an all-seeing eye because uh, if, if they do, then that leads to 1984 d- dictatorships and, and all that kind of thing. So, uh, so, so it leads to a dark place. So 
not having 100% knowledge given to uh, security services is on balance, although it does lead to some problems, I think, um, better uh, a better situation. But uh, yeah, there we go. Yes. And then the final piece for this week is around uh, a story that broke, um, well, it was a couple of days ago, if you're listening to this today on, on Thursday, the release of the podcast is about the uh, Facebook audio leak. Um, so this was a story to do with uh, Mark Zuckerberg in his uh, internal meetings, wasn't it, Martin? <laughs> yeah. So Casey Newton at The Verge got hold of a two-hour recording of an internal meeting at Facebook where Zuckerberg was basically rallying the troops and talking about uh, how, for example, an Elizabeth Warren US presidency would be an existential threat. He was talking about how to uh, deal with TikTok. Um, and basically, you know, there was nothing really controversial here, but it, it was really interesting to hear uh, Zuckerberg talking in a more internal way rather than the way he talks publicly. Yeah, I had a couple of people come to me and say, oh, do you think it was a an unofficial, official, unofficial leak and intentional? Mm-hmm. I, I'm, I don't think so, but you can't ever tell with these things. But let's assume for now that it is what it was and uh, people leaked it and it wasn't planned or prepared at all. And I think you're right that the, the, the thing, things that came out from the transcripts didn't say anything that uh, surprised me that, you know, was being discussed or that Mark Zuckerberg thinks or had said to his teams uh, internally. Um, but yeah, it, it just made for this sort of nice gossip around the social media water cooler uh, this week, I'm sure, for lots of people. And uh, I'm sure they're not particularly happy that it uh, leaked. I'd be interesting to see uh, how they tackle the uh, – trying to ta- find who, who did leak the information because they're notoriously uh. secretive. And I think there's been stories in the past about um, Facebook and Mark Zuckerberg and his kind of demands for absolute kind of privacy and silence inside his own organization, which is quite ironic given some of the stuff <laughs> that Facebook's got up to itself. Um, so that's uh, that bit was interesting. And also um, there was a piece that was written up um, by Josh Constein about the um, Mark Zuckerberg's um, appreciation or maybe lack of, um, of the threat for from them for TikTok uh, and uh, how he talks about um, Mark Zuckerberg talks about TikTok being similar to the Explore tab on Instagram in some ways the kind of like a rolling stories feed of, of things from around the Instagram world uh, and I think Josh's view is that that's kind of a, completely misses the point and uh, is is worrying for Facebook if that's how he sees it as being is maybe oversimplifying it but um i'm sure there's mark's views on it are a lot deeper than that but um but overall yeah interesting uh, leak uh, worth having a look at the transcript and i think there might even be more to come from it. i'm not sure if they've released everything yet maybe they have I'm not sure but have a look um so take a look and see what you think and it was interesting to see that uh, the way facebook dealt with it publicly was mark zuckerberg linked to it on facebook he said hey somebody's leaked one of our uh, uh, internal meetings go have a, have a look trying to own the story a bit a bit what's the, what's the saying you know um, when the horse is already bolted it did feel a little bit about um, that about it when i saw that shared but then it kind of makes sense to uh, to do in many ways but um i'm sure they got a huge traffic boost at the verge for that was a lovely share from mr zuckerberg so lucky them so that's the news now matt who's our guest this week now we're joined by colleen storfer from pinterest uh, thanks for joining us um, colleen and tell us a little bit about yourself and your background and both at pinterest and and your career to date because there's lots of things i'm sure you've been involved in and uh, some people will know you and some people won't so yeah tell us a bit about you yeah well thank you for having me first of all um so i i currently lead global business marketing at pinterest which t- candidly is a, a dream job for me to work for a brand that you know brings inspiration to create 
life people love um, and really working for a brand that I use and I believe in the mission so closely. But um, I can quickly take you back of, you know, where I started my career. I um, am from Chicago originally. And so I started um, where I think most marketers should always start their careers in um, the agency world. So, you know, really learning a ton of different skills in advertising and social media. Um, So I bounced around different agencies in Chicago, working for all sorts of clients um, and, you know, brands and products that maybe I didn't actually use or love. And so um, it kind of just got a good span of of what I what I found my passion was. And and that was really in digital media. Um, So then I moved to San Francisco and I took a job in house. Sometimes we say you went to the dark side if you go from agency to becoming the actual (laughs) client. Um, And I worked at Clorox. So you know, they're really learning integrated marketing and, and working for a brand that, you know, is obviously a, an old 100 plus year old brand and and understanding, you know, truly how to reach a consumer at all different touch points. Um, and while I was there, I, you know, which is always a good lesson is, you know, make friends with your sellers. So the people that were selling ads to me at Pinterest um, and the more I talked to them, the more I really got excited about what this company was building and creating. And um, for me, especially in my career, it was a newer marketing team. And so really the opportunity to help build the business marketing team from scratch um, and work with other passionate marketers that, you know, were ready to, you know, as I say, do the work again versus just manage the work. Um, everyone at Pinterest is, is a doer. And so that is exciting to me and, and really help bring this brand to life. And, and it's been an exciting journey so far. And we have so much good work to still do. So um, yeah, that's just a little bit about me. So um, can you tell us a little bit about the role that you perform now for Pinterest? What specifically does your day-to-day involve? What are you responsible for? Yeah, absolutely. So in my current role at Pinterest, I am responsible for really telling the story of inspiration to other brands as well as creators. Uh, and even more importantly, finding stories from brands and creators that have been successful on Pinterest. So um, to get like even more tactical, leading campaigns. So um, really getting out in the world and saying, hey, businesses, did you know that actually brands are additive on Pinterest because people come to Pinterest with an idea in their mind and that that's the perfect point for a brand to intercept them and say, we can solve that problem or be that solution for you. Um, and so my job is really to get that Pinterest story out to brands and creators, which I think is a pretty fun and challenging job because I was that brand. Um, and so marketing to other marketers, I think is probably a more fun job than even marketing to even consumers because they're the most critical when it comes to marketing you can't fool them. Um, and so that in itself was a challenge that excited me. Got you. And so this show is called Geek Out. So what do you geek out over? What's your geeky kind of interest um, outside of Pinterest? For me, it goes a little bit into like mental wellness um, and how people's brains work in that. So that's actually why Pinterest aligns with um, myself and, and my career is that, you know, people come to Pinterest to be inspired. We actually have um, data that says people come there and they feel happier and more fulfilled. And so when I think about that in my life outside of Pinterest, you know, I think everyone's always striving for what is that like pinnacle of happiness and, and striving for what they can accomplish now or in the future or that kind of thing. And so 
honestly, like mental wellness is something I think that the industry has exploded on. I have probably like six apps on my phone that are for mental wellness. Um, and it's something interesting to me because it's never been a focus. And now it's suddenly this huge uptick in, in apps, in, you know, workout classes, essential oil, just like all <laughs> this industry that's sprouted up from people being less stressed. I know what you mean. I think uh, all of my friends and family are all into the uh, meditation apps and the kind of like aura apps where yes. you can kind of listen to kind <laughs> of like listen, make yourself feel better by listening to someone kind of get you into that meditative state. So a whole industry revolving around it. Um, but yeah, Martin. Pinterest. Let's, let's talk about Pinterest for a bit. Uh, it's a platform that people either really, really get. And I, was, I was having my haircut the other day. I was listening to a conversation in the next chair across and the woman there was uh, doing her house up. She was getting a lot of redecoration done and she was talking about Pinterest which kind of lit up my ears a bit, obviously uh, preparing for this. And uh, she seemed very much into it. But uh, then there are lots of people who maybe it's more of a mystery to them. Uh, And it's certainly, if you look at the tech news, for example, it certainly seems to fly under the radar uh, quite a a bit in terms of coverage in certain parts of the media. So why do you think Pinterest is maybe misunderstood? You know, it's an interesting question. We talk a lot about a lot here because we don't think of ourselves as social media. However, we, the company grew up in a time with a lot of social apps. So I feel like it got really grouped within that um, world. And so therefore, people immediately want to compare it to other social media when it's really different. So we actually describe it as personal media, because if you think about it, you're going on the platform for something, an, an idea or a problem you're trying to solve or a dream that you want to make into a reality. And it's all about you. You don't go there to look at Um, photos of your friends. You don't even usually follow people, you know, you follow people that have similar tastes and passions as you do. And so I think once we get through that comprehension barrier of people understanding that it's actually just an amazing visual search platform that you can go to when you have an idea or you want to be inspired um, or you want to go do something. And especially, you know, as it more and more pertains to buy something as well or shopping products. Um, then they understand the difference between it and and between social media. But again, because we grew up in that world, I think there's been that barrier of, of knowledge there. And what is it specifically about Pinterest that does, do you think, set it apart from what you call, um, call traditional social networks? There are, there are some similarities in, in, in how it could be defined as a social network in some ways, but I do understand also that there are many ways it does set itself apart because it's not a, a traditional social network. You know, what are the things that for you make it set itself apart from the likes of a Facebook or an Instagram or a Twitter? Honestly, you know, it's really the, well, one, it's highly visual, right? We always have this quote here that, you know, when you see it is when you have that idea, you're in a different mindset on Pinterest than you are on another social platform. You're, you're coming there with that idea, which I think is a different mindset than if you come to social media. And then when you, because it's so visual, you have that idea, but you don't exactly know if like, if I was going to say to you, picture your favorite living room or what you want your living room to be, you kind of have an idea in your head, but until you see it, then you really know, and then you want to go take action on it. So those, those are the elements that really make it different is, is the mindset of someone coming to Pinterest and then also what it delivers for you in terms of inspiration and then, and then making that action, um, to go buy or do, or get offline. You know, that's obviously an important point for us. It's, you know, we we like when people get offline and don't use the app because hopefully we've solved their desire need or um, to-do list that they wanted to tackle that day. And then they went and did it because of Pinterest. 
Got you. And a, a lot of the audience that work in social media marketing and community management, um, how do social um, media managers and marketers tend to use it? What are they telling you that they, the value that they're getting from it compared to something else that they're using in, in for similar or different purposes? So a few things, you know, on the tactical level for on Pinterest, organic reach is still um pretty substantial. So we haven't changed like an algorithm or anything like that to drop organic reach. And actually um, pins are seen 50 times more by non-followers than for followers. So a lot of the social media managers, they've seen really high increase in driving traffic to their brand or agency or um, companies or creators um, to their actual website because of the way it works is is the platform allows content to be served um, that you wouldn't see just because you follow the person. Um, so we've seen a Got lot you. of, yeah, a lot of great metrics in terms of traffic back to websites. And what's, what can you give us a, some headline figures at the moment? So where is Pinterest stacked up in, in terms of um, the number of users, you know, business uh, businesses and brands that are using it kind of, you know, give us some idea of the scale and, and scope and size of, of Pinterest right now for those that are not on top of that kind of stuff. Do you have any you could tell us? Yeah, of course. So we have more than um, 300 million monthly users every month. So um, and that's globally. And um, in terms of ideas, which could also be named pins, which on our platform right, is all the content is called pins. Um, we have over 200 billion pins that have been saved by people and 4 billion boards. So boards are the collection of pins that, that people. And we actually did something really interesting this year at the Can Lions um, Festival of Creativity. We surfaced all of the boards that had the word dream in them from across the world. Um, and I think it, there was, I can't, don't quote me on this. I think there was probably like um, at least, you know, a billion of them. Um, and there was all different ideas in there from dream wedding to dream hamster house <laughs> to, you know, dream wardrobe, you know, things that were practical and things that were just totally out there, which is obviously really exciting for us. You know, it's what makes Pinterest unique is the creators that put the content on their platform. And then our pinners, which are um, the people that use Pinterest, the way that they really bring their dreams and, and want to bring them into reality. Is it still a, 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 a platform that's dominated um, by females? Um, because there was always this um, belief for certainly for a long time in the earlier days of Pinterest that it was very much dominated as a, a more female uh, uh, social network and not that there's any specific reason why it should be for men or for women. Is, is that still the case and that it has a higher than average user base of, of females or is that kind of balanced out now? How, how is the kind of demographics of a typical Pinterest user these days? Yeah, so we um, happily are still 70% female and 30% male. You know, obviously we're really proud of that. Um, it, it's funny. I, I like to say, I'm like, females are the decision makers. So of course you want more females on your platform, but um, we want males as well. Uh, but we are very proud of, of having that 70, 30 um, majority female. Got you. And then finally around um, this sort of area really is that people are, are used to buying um, ads on Google or Facebook and Twitter. It's more familiar to the average social media manager or digital marketing expert. But I would I would suspect that there's a, a lot of uh, more mystery or, or lack of understanding or experience potentially by a average social media manager, if there is such a thing, uh, in terms of advertising on, on Pinterest. And so could you just tell us a little bit about um Pinterest and, and advertising, some of the kind of core options or, or how it might differ from what a social media manager might experience from trying to place ads on one of the other platforms. 
Absolutely. So we have, you know, about tens of thousands of businesses on, on Pinterest. So, um, you know, from all different verticals, right? Retail, CPG, home, um, style, um, travel, financial services, you know, people are looking for all of these ideas and tips. Um, when we think about a social media manager on the platform, you know, we have a free business account to sign up. Um, and that really gets you access to, you know, our analytics as well as then, um, our ads manager dashboard, um, and more tactically, you know, it's, it's by auction. So it's not, you know, very dissimilar from other social networks, um, where it actually gets really interesting and exciting for us is our insights. So, because we know people's tastes and passions, um, they can we can really target by that versus just you know the similar demographics of age and location, which are also important. But if you really want to reach someone in you know a mindset of a new job and they need a new wardrobe, that is something you can absolutely target on Pinterest. From my point of view, the way I use Pinterest, it's it's less about um, inspiration and ideas and planning for the future for me. It's more about uh, nostalgia. It's like, <laughs> it, I found I found it to be a really really interesting nostalgia engine. So I put together a board of toys from my childhood, and a lot of it is the kind of action figures from the eighties. So the kind of uh, um, Transformers and um, uh, He Man and things like that, and uh, what I found was I put a few up there and then every day there are new suggestions that come in for things I could pin to add to the board. And a lot of them are toys I completely forgot existed. I, like, <laughs> I had one of those. Uh, so, so how does that work? There are, there are other networks, obviously, where you have uh, this kind of visual recommendation where it recognizes things. So how does it work on Pinterest? Yeah, so... Of course, the more you use it, like any you know platform AI, the better it gets for you in terms of personalization and recommendations. Um, and we call it tuning your home feed. Um, and so we have something coming very soon of, of just continuously optimizing that tuning of your home feed. Um, and and I know this is about geeking out, but without getting like too technical with you guys. Um, it's really like a easy, comprehensive view of, of all your boards, your activity history, following the different topics, and then you can toggle on and off. So if you maybe want less of those um, toys or if you want more of them, you'll be able to tell the system your preferences, really. And so tuning your home feed is the is the technical term we're using here. And, and the more you use it, the better it gets. Uh, on a more broader level, you know, we've talked a little bit about how Pinterest works from an ad, um, ad um, marketing point of view and, and some of the core features and stuff. But this, the, the pace of change in social media and particularly social media marketing and advertising um, features and functionality is, is as fast as any other area of tech, I would say. Um, and it's evolved particularly over the last couple of years. Uh, and Facebook are constantly coming out with new things. Twitter's launched different video ad products. Google the same. And, and Pinterest has also had its own uh, launch of different things that are going on. I just wondered how you see from your experience within Pinterest and in the other roles that you've had of how you see digital marketing evolving over the next few years, not just on Pinterest, but in, in a broader sense, what are your kind of sense of how things are moving and changing? Yeah. You know, it's an interesting question because I'm sure you guys feel the same way. It's, it's overwhelming. <laughs> it's like you turn, you turn the corner, you turn the, um, you know, through your search engine or whatever, there's always something new, something new coming out. I would say, you know, it's going to be interesting to see some of, you know, these newer platforms um, where they take their products, if they try to do more of parody or try to do something totally different um, in terms of what Gen Z is looking for. Um, the Gen Z on our platform, 
we've seen some pretty interesting communities they built and, and they're, you know, getting off other social networks because we've seen these insights of, you know, they really want to reconnect with themselves. And so I think, you know, for us, to continuing that personalization and whatnot, obviously will be super important. And then working with creators who have um, content that matches that. So that's another huge initiative for us is, and I'm sure other platforms as well is, is really engaging with more and more creators that have useful content to our platform. So when we think about our platform, we think about, we want creators that actually have made things, tastemakers that aren't, it's not truly about their image, but it's about inspiration. So thinking about, you know, interior designers or um, fashion stylists or makeup artists, it's more about what they create and make than about, you know, their face. So I think it will be continuously important for all platforms, but especially for us to invest in, you know, authentic creators that, that then match the audience's needs there. Um, but yeah, it's, it's overwhelming. I would say there's, there's so many new platforms that pop up every day. I feel for me, it's hard to keep up. I mean, I'd be curious how you guys keep up with. We're going to come on to a question about that, but I, what I, I, I'm just thinking back as we're talking there about kind of future looking things in social. And, and last week we were unfortunate to have um, uh, Andrew Bosworth um, from Facebook, who's head of VR and uh, AR there. And we were talking obviously about those particular pieces of technology and the developments in that area. Is that something that, you know, it comes across uh, your desk or, or discussions in Pinterest about how people will consume and uh, uh, use Pinterest in 10 years from now? Will, will they be in a VR, AR world, kind of bit like the style of minority yeah. report where you're swiping away things into boards that are interesting to you or, or other ways that they will be engaging with other people who have the same interests of them, you know, talking, taking it beyond the next one or two years, but 10 years from now, do you have ideas of how Pinterest might be experienced by the average user? Yeah. So, I mean, I hope it's like, you know, swiping and moving, you know, everything you describe sounds pretty amazing. It, you know, it fits actually really naturally with our platform. So I could see a world where, um, you know, as I went back to the the quote we always say here, you know it when you see it, is, you know, envisioning products in real life. So you have an empty room or you have a bedroom you want redone. It's like, what if it could be as simple as an extension of the camera within the Pinterest app and then exploring those different experiences um, and seeing it come in real life through AR. So I think that that probably isn't, you know, too... Um, far off in terms of, you know, all the technology that all these companies are exploring. I think, you know, for us, that could be something super exciting because everyone just wants to see how it will look at the end result versus, you know, just picturing someone else's room um, through our visual search. So I think that that would be really exciting for us, for sure. You can, you can just point at things uh, with your AR glasses on, uh, just point at something and pin it. That would be a fantastic interface, I think. Yes, yeah, I love that. <laughs> we were talking about uh, new platforms there, and uh, so and and the new behaviour that comes with them as well. Uh, so uh, I've been spending quite a bit of time on TikTok uh, lately, learning the kind of visual language and the uh, behavioural language of that, how people use it, how they uh, how the the memes evolve on there and things. Uh, and it's certainly you know it, it's no secret, it's no no great revelation to say that uh, online communication is becoming more visual obviously pinterest is is part of that um uh, what's your take on how uh, we're changing our behaviors online um kind of away from text maybe to a bit more a bit more visual yeah i mean obviously i, I agree with that because our platform is all about visual <laughs> visual search um we you know 
we had um, a thought leadership piece a few, maybe last year, it was called um, The Camera is the New Keyboard. And it really is like people are speaking more in visuals. I mean, you think about emojis and and reactions and that kind of thing. And so um, for us, you know, we feel like we're, we're on that, obviously that right track with being a, um, of course, visual first platform. Um, and for us, we've, you know, we think the future of search is visual. So less text and more images, um, which is, you know, exciting for us too. So, yeah. Uh, can you tell us a little bit more about then the, fu- the future features of Pinterest? You know, is there anything juicy and new that's coming up that, uh, we, the brands, marketers, social media managers, et cetera, and could be looking forward to whether it be some blue sky ideas that are really kind of out there, crazy, geeky it five to 10 years down the line or something that you, you, you guys are working on now that we might see um, shortly that uh, we can get excited about. What, what can you tell us at the moment? Yeah. Yeah, well, I, I don't know if you're not, it's not brand new, but it's um, something that continuously improves if you're um, familiar with our product lens. Um, so it's actually when you tap on an image, you'll see a really small box in the bottom right corner and you can hover that box over anything within the image. So let's say you're looking at, um, you know, fall fashion, you would tap it over the pair of shoes in the image and then it would come up with suggestions for those shoes of buying them. So whether it's the exact um, pair of shoes or other varieties of shoes like that, and then you can um, simply click to shop that. So that for me is obviously exciting and that's a different way of searching. Um, And something else we actually launched today is dark mode. So dark mode, um, you're probably familiar with it. Twitter has it as well, um, is something that we heard a lot from our pinners that they truly wanted. Um, and that's because one of the a big use case on our platform, which is actually something that um, a lot of our employees do here as well, is, is looking at quotes at night before you go to bed. So you're probably familiar with Pinterest has a ton of inspirational and motivational quotes. It's kind of a, the best way, um, speaking of mental wellness earlier, to end and start your day. And so by developing and launching the dark mode, Obviously, it just makes it even more calming and easier on the eyes. Got you, got you. Well, we, that's um, some great stuff that are coming up from Pinterest. But well, I guess one of the areas that we haven't touched upon yet is because um, all of this stuff is quite positive and, and exciting and, and future looking is, is some of the more current issues and challenges that uh, make the headlines in social. So I think, me and Martin, we were talking about this as well before we came on air. And what was it we were going to ask about that? Yeah, disinformation. Uh, so I know um, Pinterest has done some interesting work around uh, anti-vax uh, campaigners and uh, uh, presenting uh, information that, that counters uh, some of that, uh, some of the lies, I suppose, that people share around uh, and uh, myths that people share around vaccines. Could you tell us a bit about that? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so, so kind of just taking a step back, obviously our goal at um, Pinterest is to inspire pin- pinners with useful and relevant ideas. And so, you know, frankly, there's nothing inspiring about health misinformation. Mm-hmm. Uh, so last year we made the decision uh, to stop showing results for vaccine searches. And that would really help us to prevent people from potentially encountering misleading content. Um, so that's just, you know, one step we took, of course. And one of our biggest learnings from that is that it's it's critical um, to work with the experts in these fields um, because, you know, we're not. And so um, we worked with the World Health Organization, the American Academy of Pediatrics, the Center for Disease Control, and a few other health experts to really help us understand and address the content to make sure we were making you know, the right decisions. 
Um, and, and yeah, so we're excited. So that our work together, it did lead to actually new vaccine re, um, search experience um, that we announced in August. And so now if a pinner searches for measles or vaccine safety um, or hundreds of other health terms, um, they can reliably explore authoritative results um, from these leading health organizations that we worked with. So for us, you know, I'm excited that that's just one piece of being, you know, proud to work at Pinterest is, is us partnering with the experts and making, um, you know, the right decisions. Do you think that's something that uh, other platforms can learn from? Because we've obviously seen a lot of uh, uh, problems with misinformation, especially with elections coming up and things on, on other platforms. Uh, are there lessons they can, they can learn from Pinterest? Yeah, I mean, I, I certainly hope so. <laughs> um, I like to think, you know, we're leading the charge, especially when it comes to this, you know, anti-vax world. And so I think, you know, the lesson there is, is really working with those experts in those fields, because, you know, again, we're not medical experts at Pinterest, but you find the right partners to help you make the right decisions. Um, and then it obviously benefits the people on your platform. Do you think social media needs regulating? Oh, that's a good question. <laughs> you know, I can I can really only speak for Pinterest and and thinking about, you know, we take obviously every decision, you know, as it comes. It's it's definitely that's a that's a broader question to, to be tackled, maybe maybe another day. But, um, you know, for us, it's it's continuously we're always looking at the content on our platform and making, you know, hard policy decisions um, to, again, make sure that we truly bring to life our mission, which is um, to inspire people and to create a life they love. And so that that takes a lot of time, a lot of hard work and, you know, a lot of hardworking people here at Pinterest to help make those calls. And is there anything else from Pinterest that uh, it's working on or it's considering or considered um, in terms of um, the well-being of its users? You know, we were talking earlier on in, in the um, show here about um, uh, well-being and being the importance of kind of uh, looking after users. And, and we've seen the likes of Facebook and Instagram and others uh, implement features that give them uh, people uh, more control over privacy or more control or understanding of the amount of time they're spending on the app. Um, and I wondered if you could tell us anything briefly whilst we're on the topic of regulation and, and the safety aspect of using social media that, that uh, Pinterest is, is done or is considered doing or, or is working on at all in that area? Yeah. So we um, we actually launched a new product um, a few months ago called Compassionate Search. Um, and again, we worked with external experts at Stanford. And um, so if you go in the app and you search, for example, anxiety, um, it will show up with... Um, actually tools to help you curb that anxiety or um, the challenge that you're facing in terms of like a mental wellness. Um, so we'll actually give you like a few like exercises and tips. And again, all backed by the experts that we worked with specifically on that. So that's just one way that, you know, we're tackling some of these broader issues within Pinterest, especially because we know that people look at Pinterest as, you know, a, a positive um, platform. And so the more we can help it stay positive and, and have people feeling fulfilled and inspired, um, the better. We've talked a bit about upcoming features and things, but um, what's, what's the long-term future of Pinterest as a platform? Where's it going? Yeah. So um, three you know big areas I'm excited about specifically is um, I talked a little bit about investing more in creators. So, you know, creators are the reason the platform exists, right? Without creator content, we wouldn't have, you know, pinners coming back or, you know, brands being inspired. And so, you know, investing more in 
um, creator tools and, and creators actually featuring them in our marketing campaigns and whatnot. So I'm excited about that. Um, of course, the second one is shopping, making sure that, you know, Pinterest is more shoppable than ever. So we've launched a bunch of new products, catalogs, shop the look, um, and making sure that brands can um, not only help inspire people, but then actually help them click through and, and take that action um, and, and really bring that inspiration to the full circle. And then um, international. So we are expanding um, in more and more markets. We had a pretty big expansion last year, um, especially across Europe. And so, again, bringing um, inspiration to other parts in the world, you know, we're excited about. And, and frankly, for me, geeking out of, a little bit of like seeing the different use cases in the different countries of, of how people use it both across different verticals as well as, you know, different audiences. Is there quite a, any, any interesting things to do with the use use of Pinterest in, in different markets? It's a good good point, which we hadn't thought about. You know, is there any interesting stories or, or insights that you've heard about or you're aware of in terms of Pinterest use by somebody that's in Japan versus someone that's in London versus someone that's in, in Los Angeles? Is, is that something that you notice or is it pretty much the same along across the world? Yeah, the... The categories themselves are, are pretty similar. So thinking about, you know, home and retail, um, but I, and I have to, I would have to pull it up, but there's an interesting use case of um, a female Japanese uh, band that they actually use Pinterest as their inspiration for their tour set. And so the backdrop is all pins and, and they, they pretty much brought Pinterest in real life on their um on their tour. And so I love that example because they obviously were so passionate and they were inspired by the platform and then they brought it, you know, to their tour. So I think that's a fun way. And, and you mentioned about shopping um, with uh, Pinterest. And I think um, in terms of if I was to pick another social network or sorry, as you don't clash yourselves as a social <laughs> network, a social network that might be classed as similar to what Pinterest does, let's phrase it that way. Um, Instagram comes to mind, particularly with the fact that Instagram has very much set its stall out for this year um, in shopping and giving people the ability to purchase um, goods in, a, in a, the least with the least amount of friction as possible. Uh, and there's some of the features and the ways that it's approaching it can i can't help but see that there are similarities between mm -hmm. somebody that might use pinterest and, and someone who might use instagram and so i wonder if you could just what's your view on on what's similar and what's different and what's maybe better because you're obviously here as someone from pinterest than somebody using instagram for the same idea which is i'm interested in certain products or features or tools or services uh, i'm going to go search on instagram or i'm going to search on face uh, on pinterest what what, what are they going to get out of those two different experiences in your opinion? Yeah. So I talked a little bit about the pinner mindset um, earlier. And so, you know, people have always come to Pinterest to, to shop and get shopping inspiration. Our, our long-term vision, um, which probably won't be that long, let's be honest, especially in tech, is that every time you see a product you like on Pinterest, you'll be able to buy it or something like it just based on your unique taste. Um, and so I think what really differentiates Pinterest itself and the shopping experience is related ideas. And so you can, you know, search something, for instance, obviously, if you're searching for a dog collar um, and then related ideas would be dog bowls, dog bed, recipes to make um, dog your own homemade dog food and then the products of how to buy those. Maybe there's a, a click through to an e-commerce site there, too. So 
for us, what really differentiates is not only the exact thing you want to buy, but the related products and ideas around it to really, you know, fulfill that full, that full shopping experience. And, and also things maybe you haven't even thought of that would inspire you and help you really build your taste. And as a, as a social media marketer, um, and you have um, the choice to, you know, use various different platforms to reach your audience to either, in, as you say, inspire them or to sell products or to raise awareness of your of your product launch or your brand in general and you can place your ad spend in in in, in pinterest and in, and for the benefits you've just outlined and and also for for something like instagram and stuff and i guess what would be your your argument or your case for for a, a social media manager or marketer with a set budget thinking shall i put that money on pinterest and, and push things there actually i could put that money on on instagram and, and push it there instead both have large audiences and use user bases both have some similarities and also a lot of differences. But I wonder what would what would be the case you think that maybe a, a social media manager or digital marketer might want to have in mind when they're thinking about making those sorts of decisions? Yeah, that's a great question. So one thing that is is actually very unique and interesting in the platform is you know brands are actually additive to the experience. So we say you know start inspiring, stop interrupting. You know sometimes when you get an ad on another platform, it does feel like an interruption because you're actually there to look at your sister's vacation. Um, but on Pinterest, you're looking for an idea, you're looking for a solution. And, you know, brands more times out of none are um, are that, you know, solution to your problem. And so when you're thinking about choosing between places to put your ad spend, think about, you know, that people have that mindset of, having a problem and wanting that solution and a brand can be, you know, obviously very natural and organic to that experience versus, you know, being super interruptive or just almost out of place at times. And so Colleen, and also finally, we just wanted to ask what are your top tips or tricks or maybe lesser known features that uh, everybody from the average social media manager through to the first time user of Pinterest to the experienced user of Pinterest may not know about or you think should know because it's an amazing part of, of the Pinterest experience. Yeah. So, you know, one thing we talk about, especially with creators and entrepreneurs is using Pinterest is actually a gut check. If you want to um, try to find a new idea or you have an idea and you want to see if it's out there already, um, especially if you're, you're starting a business. And so one of the actually more interesting tools that maybe people don't know as much about is um, our group boards and specifically collaboration in the group board. So now you can actually, you'll collaborate, you'll have boards that you can, you know, work with other people on and they could all join it. And then within that group board, there's something that we launched called reactions. So people actually will be able to share feedback um, in terms of like loving something, liking something, being inspired by something. And so I, for me, like that's a great signal for a business to say, oh, I had this idea. I'm going to pin it on this collaborative board and get a pretty quick reaction from from pinners and see what their ideas are. Awesome idea. I know that I've seen um, several people using that feature, but I, I can guarantee that there's a ton of people out there that uh, aren't aware of that. So they'll be pleased to, to, to know that for their future campaigns that they're planning or just for themselves to use for, for their own purposes outside of work. So that's really useful. Um, Colleen, it's been great chatting to you. Um, and I'm sure that people here will have enjoyed hearing some of the input you've given us about Pinterest and where it's heading. Um, can you tell people where they can find you online uh, or anything you want to point them towards to, to help them in their day-to-day -day use of Pinterest? For sure. So um, we have a website, business.pinterest.com, which is a great resource for 
um, education, how to get started of the business account, as well as just more detail about a lot of the products and features. Uh, so definitely check out that website. And then, of course, go to Pinterest.com and just sign up and play around and start a board. And then the rabbit hole will begin where you'll, you'll find one thing to the next. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for joining us. That's Colleen Stalfer from Pinterest. Many thanks for coming with us today and chatting a bit more about Pinterest. Thank you. Time now for quick hits. Here's Matt with furtive features and beguiling beta tests you need to know about from social media companies this week. You're not going to be able to keep that up for season after season. You're going to run out of these lovely little uh, intros here, but I'll, um, there's, a, there's another good one there, Martin. Welcome <laughs> for that one. Um, yes, there's a, it's a bumper edition this week. We'll see if we can get through um, um, a lot of them. Some of them are quite small ones. So that's why there's an a large number. Let's let's kick off with uh, Facebook uh, keyword alerts in groups. So Facebook has had a feature for some group admins um, for a little while this year that's been in test only, where you can um, set up as an admin or a moderator of a group keywords that uh, you want to be notified of um, that get mentioned, posted in 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 your group by somebody. Um, so there's, I can imagine, plenty of use cases for for admins if there's specific uh, terms for products or, um, or or maybe bad things that they're saying or good things they're saying or individual names of people, whatever it is as an admin of your group would be useful to know more quickly uh, about then this keywords feature is for you. Um, I've seen this week that they're rolling out to a few more people and they've made it a bit more sophisticated in terms of the sorts of uh, keywords and the number of keywords you can use and uh, the triggers for them uh, for notifications. So uh, I hope to get hold of that and play with it soon. Twitter's had a couple of things. Twitter DM searching in the inbox is rolling out to iOS for those that didn't already have it. So this allows you to uh, have a little uh, search box above your uh, DMs inside um, your app on iOS, and you can search quickly to find a specific thread that you're having a conversation with someone, which is something you'd expect in any average messaging app as a kind of starting thing. So it's a bit surprising that Twitter DMs haven't had that until now, but it does. And for those that didn't already have the feature, which was um, a separate filter, you know, filtered inbox, which is what we've seen on Facebook and other messaging platforms where you have that famous other inbox where most things disappear to and you never realize people have been trying to get hold of you. Well, face, um, Twitter has something similar. And uh, if those who didn't have it before, you might start seeing that pop up and you have a separate inbox for some of the junk and spammy stuff that sometimes you get some good stuff in there that you need to, to check out. So keep an eye on that as well. YouTube filtering for comments. So they've given creators some additional options for filtering comments that allow you to uh, discover uh, comments that were hidden and buried amongst thousands of other comments. So this is great for creators and, um, and a public publishers of uh, video on YouTube that have um, a lot of uh, followers, a substantial amount of engagement on their posts. And you can filter the comments and sort the comments by the subscriber count of the commenter, uh, if they're asking a question, and a whole range of other different filtering options, which makes going through your comments and, and having a closer relationship with your audience much easier. So I think that's a, a very welcome change to comment filtering for, for YouTube users. Disappearing messages on WhatsApp, a bit like, a, you know, or self-destructing messages, whatever you'd like to call them. The um, ephemeral nature of messaging for WhatsApp is being boosted um, thanks to uh, a tip-off from what's, uh, WA Beta Info on, on Twitter, who finds all these great things. It's something that seems to be in the beta app only, as you'd expect. It's no sign of if and when it will roll out. But effectively, it's as you'd imagine. You can send post messages into your contacts as a normal WhatsApp message, but you can select them to be disappearing messages and have a sort of time and limits as to how long those messages are there for before they disappear. Um, so not entirely innovative. We've seen that in a few other messaging apps, but WhatsApp are playing with it as well. 
Instagram Maps um, view for saved collections. So thanks to Jane Wong, who found this one. She um, was looking into Instagram code on some of its apps and found that uh, you can do saved collections already um, with uh, things that you like as you travel around Instagram and you want to put into one sort of bucket of things, maybe, you know, coats that you like from people or, you know, interesting uh, news items. If you follow sort of some of the news accounts on Instagram, whatever it might be, now it's added a map view. So you can look at all your collections you've saved and see if um, where on um, of the map these um, items have, uh, you've saved have been posted from. I, I guess there's a lack of information to be absolutely clear as to what the feature will enable you to do beyond the fact that it does show a map of saved collections. So we'll see how that one develops if it comes out at all. And Facebook have got an autocomplete comments feature that was spotted by Leon Green. So they've done various things like this before on Facebook where it suggests the person you might want to tag in, the po- um, in your post or in a comment and uh, an emoji that you think is appropriate for you to post as a comment it suggests them to you well this is kind of one step further it's, it's suggesting almost two or three word comments replies almost a bit like gmail's autocompletes and where it says thanks for that email or whatever else so there's a suggestion that that might be being tested uh, around facebook and i haven't seen it myself but that'd be an interesting one to be rolled out if it comes and finally we have something from twitter uh, another feature a twitter is testing in its dm inbox a uh, shared co- um, content and tabs feature where it's a bit like you see on whatsapp if you look at a chat thread and then you go into the uh, settings for that chat thread and you can see all the media that was shared within it so the images the links and uh, anything else and it's separated out to make it easier to find things you've shared in a uh, conversation well twitter is trying something very similar with links and other tweets you've shared in the conversation and images uh, so this has only been spotted in the ios beta app and so it's not something that appears to be rolling out just yet but it's positive signs that they are doing some stuff with dms finally and that, that does follow through from what we had a conversation with, with um, Sarah at, um, at Twitter on episode one. So if you want to hear a bit more about what they're doing with that, maybe have a listen to the first podcast. And that's it for this week with Quick Hits. Quite a nice number of items for you to, to listen over and see what uh, excites and interests you. I have to say, though, by way of translation, we have said beta quite a lot in this show this week. And uh, Americans always get confused when Brits say beta. Um, for you, we mean beta. Yes, I know. I, I, I get pulled up on that one by my uh, American counterparts, but uh, I'm sure it's a British podcast, so I'm going to stick with beta. Uh, a, a Facebook exec I was interviewing once at a conference um, said to me, I, I said to, I said leverage to him, and he was like, leverage? You mean leverage? There's no such word. And he was, he, he, he mocked me. He mocked me for saying uh, leverage like I'd said something wrong when it's perfectly normal to say leverage in the UK. But uh, there we go. Because we have levers. We don't have levers here, but there we go. Um, it's all a, a diverse, wonderful world we live in. Uh, let's all just enjoy each other's language. So next week, we'll be speaking to... Shh, it's a secret. Yes, we have uh, someone lined up, but uh, we're still waiting to uh, get everything confirmed. So uh, we'll hold off on confirming exactly who that is. But uh, look out for uh, Matt's tweets and my tweets uh, for details of that a bit closer to the time. Yes, and it will be our final week next week um, for season one. So we'll have to make it a special one, that's for sure. And uh, hopefully next week we'll be able to give some more information about what the next step is for the Geek Out with Matt Navarro, whether we'll be doing another season and when and uh, it will start and who the guests might be we might be able to tease some people so uh, I'll give you some more information on that but uh, but other than that I think that's it for this week yeah Geek Out with Matt Navarra is a Big Revolution production find out more at bigrevolution.net you can find me on Twitter as at Martin SFP 
and I'm at Matt Navarro on Twitter. And don't forget to tell everyone about the podcast and get those voice messages in on Anchor, anchor.fm forward slash geek out Matt Navarro, and you'll find the option to record a message. And also join the Facebook groups. Uh, so the social media geek out on Facebook, if this is the thing for you, things about all new stuff and discussing social media, then um, my geek out Facebook group is, is where you should head for. So go search it out on, on Facebook. So see you all next week. Goodbye, geeks. Goodbye, geeks.